Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is Nick Hale to the Redskins. Wagner, Nick, what's up, buddy? Oh, not much, Josh. Uh, that Napoleon Dynamite quote gets me every time. How you doing today? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. I was I was waiting for you to laugh. I paused a bit there. I'm doing great. Uh, we uh, have been very fortunate here at the UW the last couple of days. Uh, was able to interview... Uh, future IDP stud Miles Kimber out of University, excuse me, Southern Utah University last night. That that's up on uh, DFW and uh, Blog Talk here. That interview, if you guys want to check that out, so we should have David Morgan, uh, University of Texas at San Antonio tight end, uh, probably a day three guy calling in here in just a minute. So we've been very fortunate to get a couple couple players that uh, look to see their dreams and their dreams come true here this weekend. So, um, and my clockwork, there he is. Um, let's just, uh, let's patch David through. We do have a, a whole show for you planned today, but we wanted to start out with Prospect and our buddy Jeff Lloyd from Inside the Pylon is also stopping by at, in about uh, 30 minutes. Great uh, Dynasty Dilemma 2 as we pit Sterling Shepard versus Tyler Boyd. Look at much much forward to that, but let's just patch Mr. David through here. David, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. How are you? Good. How's it going today down there in Texas? It's going good. Just out and around, getting some breakfast, getting ready to go to the gym. All right. Getting getting pumped for this weekend, as I'm sure we all are, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to see what happens. Okay. Well, again, it's David Morgan, University of Texas at San Antonio, tight end. Uh, David Morgan the second, excuse me. Um, I like what I see on uh, on film from you, David, and I think you present a lot of different things that NFL offenses could use you in a creative way. Um, you know, one of the big things that we hear all the time with uh, with uh, tight ends moving, making that transition to the NFL, is it's kind of a kind of a three-year process. Is that some things that you've been hearing there? Is that that same type of thing you've been hearing? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, it's going up to the next level, obviously there's a lot of transition and no matter what position it is, but I feel like tight end is definitely one of those things. I feel like it's something that's going to help me out a lot is, you know, just my my bigger thing and my ability to block a lot better. So I'm hoping, yeah, and in the long run it'll be a couple of years, and I'm hoping to get in there, you know, this first couple of years and, you know, con- you know contribute wherever I can. Okay. I don't – what are you 
what are you weighing in at nowadays? Two sixty five, maybe give or take two two or three pounds. Okay, and is it six four, right? Yes, sir. That's uh that's pretty nice. And what did you did you lead all tight ends at the combine with twenty nine bench press reps, is that right? Yes, sir, I did. Okay. So uh, we we actually had an article up about you as well here on DFW a few months ago. So we we you definitely have some fans here at uh, uh, DFW. Is there is there any way since we are a fantasy site, David? I should tell you that probably not a lot of teams are listening. So you could tell us: is there any team that you just want to go to? I mean, would somebody make your dream come true? I mean, yeah. Obviously, growing up in uh, growing up in Texas, I was. A football fan, you know, my whole life and love the sport and grew up watching the Cowboys. So, I mean, that would just be something that's, you know, just one of those, so just to top it all off, I'd, you know, that would put it out there and that would make it awesome. But when it comes down to it, I mean, I'm going to be happy with wherever I go and whoever is willing to take the chance on me, and I'll be thankful for that. Yeah, yep. And with, uh, uh, obviously much much respect to their current tight end, Jason Witten, but he is uh, no he's not a kid. He's not a kid anymore, no. so th- no. there's certainly a, a window there for you. Um, uh, Nick, do you have any questions there for David? Uh, yeah, so you play uh, lined up in the slot sometimes there in school. I was wondering if you think that gives you a little bit of an advantage as far as the learn- learning curve goes uh, above tight ends that were strictly inline tight ends. Yeah, no doubt. Um, our, you know, our RC did a great job this year with me, and I feel like he really kind of helped show what I could do. And I feel like that's definitely going to portray me and kind of just give me a you know, an upper, an upper hand going into the next level, just knowing that I'm able to do that um, and play that position and, you know, play in line and play spot and play wide out and play, you know, play in the backfield. I feel like that's definitely going to help me out. Yeah. Is there any player in particular you kind of model your game after there, David? I mean, I, w- I really can't put it on one, on one person. I mean, I like to, I feel like, you know, at the next level, my role won't be as as immense as it was this year. You know, I feel like I won't do near and near as much. But I love, you know, I love, like I said, I'm a huge, I was a huge Cowboys fan, and I love just watching Jason Witten, just the way he plays. You know, he's a he's a three down guy that runs, you know, runs solid routes, gets open, catches the ball, and, you know, makes yards after contact. And but he also can, you know, go in line and you know block whoever he needs to move people around in the trenches. And so that's something that I kind of. I take pride in it. That's something that I know he does a great job of himself. I love watching him. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And then not a, not a bad model there as a guy that uh, not, yeah. certainly uh, certainly has worked his tail off there for the Cowboys throughout his career. Um, what do you think some of your strengths are, and where where do you think you can improve your game? Yeah, as I never said earlier, you know, just uh, my versatility aspects, just you know, my athleticism out there, just kind of being able to do a do a lot of different things. I feel like that's going to really, you know, benefit me in the long run. I feel like just that I can line up and kind of create mismatches will help me out. And then I feel like if I was just to work on something, I mean, I'd say if anything, just be straight, you know, linear speed, you know, stretching people, you know, downfield. But that's really not my style of game. You know, I'm an intermediate route runner. That's, you know, that's what I do. I mean, I'm 10 yards and within that range. So, I mean, if anything, I'd just say, you know, stretching people uh, across the field deep. Okay, well, I, we already mentioned uh, you're the strongest tight end at the combine, putting up all those bench press reps. Well, one thing I've always been impressed with is seeing 
seeing somebody run that six, that sub seven second three cone. Did they, did they talk to you or what? Did they say anything about what you know, like kind of the the, the nature behind the three cone and how they think that translates to on on the field? I feel like that's a sign that you're going to be very a very solid player in traffic. Did they say anything different there at the combine about that? No, yeah, I definitely you know. Like I said, you know, different people's styles of play are different. You know, there's some guys that are going to be guys that have straight track speed and are really, you know, really good at stretching people and you know, running out the middle of teams, running, you know, middle of cover two zones and things like that. But they said, you know, my my style of play isn't. That's not what I do. You know, I'm a ten yard dime. I, you know, I change I change direction really well. And, you know, that's why I was able to, you know, run a you know, sub four two uh, shuttle and then you know, obviously sub seven uh, three count. And so yeah, that's just something that. You know, like I said, that's, that plays into my suit. That's my style of game, and that's something that, you know, is, uh, I, I feel like showed, you know, that I have that separation ability and I change of direction ability. Um, so we are uh, basically a fantasy site, and we uh, got, like I said, a lot of a lot of fans already here in you. Um, do you play fantasy yourself? I actually do not. I never play fantasy football. I never – I, I could never keep up with it. I try to do it, and I just, like – got behind and I just gave up yeah okay well that's totally fine but maybe you know maybe when you start scoring touchdowns you'll want to get get in and there oh, yeah. and draft yourself that'll probably change it okay um do you is there any any people any other other fellow prospects uh that you've met along the way that you think you know obviously you're you're what uh, the fantasy community thinks right now is kind of kind of a, a sleeper, a, a later round guy at a lot of, certainly a lot of dynasty drafts. Is there is there anybody out there that you would consider, you know, a sleeper in prospects? You, you maybe had a chance to come across that a lot of people don't maybe, you know, a lot of people aren't talking about that you think could be potential sleeper. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some guys. I feel like. Uh, I said there's a guy from my school, UTSA, um, he's a defensive tackle, his name is Brian Price. And uh, I said he's one of those guys that, you know, if you look at him, his frame's not the biggest, he's not the tallest, he's not the, you know, but the way he plays and his, you know, his work ethic and his mentality, he's one of those guys that if he gets a shot and gets into a camp, there's no way he'll leave. And so I said he's one of those guys that can, you know, just if he gets a, if he gets a chance and gets an opportunity, I feel like he's going to take, you know, a typical hold of it. And what was that name again? Brian Price. Brian. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Uh, that's certainly somebody to look at for all of us here. Uh, Nick, any any other questions there for David? Uh, yeah. Which would you rather do, David? Catch a game-winning touchdown or deliver a pancake block on a linebacker who's been giving you fits all game long, and then that block brings the <laughs> running back for the game-winning touchdown? Oh, uh, that's a hard one. Um, I would say, I don't know. I can't. I can't sound selfish and say I'd want to touch the game winning touchdown. I guess it's just whatever. Whatever the play called on the last game, or the last play of the game. If it's a pass play, I'm gonna score, and if it's a run play, I'm gonna pancake the guy regardless. So whichever, whichever way the play is called, I'll just do it that way. All right. Uh, depending situational, you'll say, yeah, I like it. Good, good, uh, good question, and even better answer there. That's a good one, Nick. Um, have you uh, just just maybe uh, on a personal? You can and you can be self righteous. It's fine. That's why that's why we ask you questions like this. Have Have you Googled yourself to read any what read of what people are saying about you as a prospect? 
No, I get tagged in a lot of Twitter articles, so I've never really got on Google and did it, but Twitter, I mean, Twitter is practically Google, so I get, I mean, I have a, a UTSA, there's a big following, obviously it's a very, very, very large city, and UTSA is pretty much the only program there, Division One program, big program, and so, you know, we have a, we have a very, a very big following, a lot of you know, great fans, and so I get tagged in a million articles on Twitter and on Facebook and things like that, so yeah, I definitely do read some stuff. Um, have have you heard some of the uh, the question marks with you in terms of uh, the level of competition that you've played played against, yeah. and, and what what can you say to answer those questions? I mean, when it comes down to it, I don't I don't choose who who the other team puts in front of me. You know, that's not my job. My job is to do what I do day in and day out when I go out on the field. And, you know, that's you know be the best player that I can be, and regardless of who you put out there, I mean, it's an, I'm a you know, give it my all, and I, mean, I don't know why. I mean, we played Arizona, and we played Kansas State, and we played Oklahoma State, and we played, you know, those teams, we played those teams the past three years, you know, and so if they have a question of level of competition, they can, you know, it's probably people that don't watch much film and just look in, and say UTSA, and that's all they see, and so they probably haven't ever looked into film and looked into things like that, but if, I mean, if they question that, there's, there's games from out there of me playing, you know, Great, great players, and me doing just fine. Yeah, and like you said earlier too, with the versatility that you've shown so far in college, I think a lot of a lot of teams will be very excited to to do some things with you in that aspect, even if it's you know online or offline tight end. Uh, we see, you know, we we get the move tight end, uh, you know, H back type of thing with with players like you that can play, you know, that traditional tight end, but you can also split out wide, you know, when you look at a guy like uh, Jordan Reed in Washington last year, what he was able to do, with, and he's considered an undersized tight end, but he's got the, he's got the quickness and athleticism to to obviously be successful, and I think you brought, I think you bring a lot of those same elements there, so you know, we, we wish you no, nothing but luck, and, and hopefully hopefully you will uh, get your name called there, and uh, you, you know you have a, a whole, whole big fan base here at DFW. Well, thank you very much. Thank you all for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, David, and have a great day and, and have a great weekend. All right, bud? Yes, sir. You too. All right. Great, great stuff there. Again, that was David Morgan, University of Texas, San Antonio, tight end. Um, if you haven't watched film on him, he is just extremely versatile, a guy that is able to do a whole lot of things. Uh, within an offense, and of course, you know the big, the big rule of tight ends is it takes that the three years to develop. And I'm not saying he's going to develop quicker, but he's certainly a, a person that you want to keep your eye on there as, in dynasty owners because he's that versatility um, that he's able to bring, and the fact that he is in that move tight end H back kind of mold, but the fact that he can also block is is something that's I think going to help him immensely and hopefully help that transition maybe make him a little bit more of a fantasy relevant player early on in his career what what do you, what do you think about the Jordan Reed elements to his game Nick do you think that's pretty pretty fair yeah that would be great uh, you know I would guess that he's probably a little bit stronger than Jordan Reed uh Reed's specialty is definitely not blocking whereas I think uh uh Morgan is probably a lot more of a solid blocker than Jordan Reed but yeah I think it's fair yeah, and you know one thing we've seen with a lot of these tight ends is when even you know Reed's like six two, probably two forty at, at, at his at his heaviest. David is six four two 
like a solid 260. So I mean, this is this is a and he he doesn't necessarily look like it when you see the see him on the field, but this is a kid that's got a solid core to him, and he's not going to be moved off of things very well. And he's like I said, we'll have to ask Jeff when he comes on here in 15 minutes. But when you get that sub second sub seven second three cone, I think that says a lot about how you can perform in traffic. And I and I'm almost turned to think looking at the three cone result as it's more important than the 40 to me because how often do you get to run 40 yards straight in the NFL I mean you need you need agility you need you need a versatility you need the you need to be able to uh, cut just like David said you know he's a 10 yard guy cut and make those plays and, uh yeah certainly uh certainly a, a great kid and we, we we wish him nothing but the best he's Hope, hopefully got a very bright future and can't wait to have him have him on my dynasty team maybe stash him for a year but i love 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 what uh love what he had to say and hopefully we can get his hear his name this weekend because i think he deserves like i said probably a day three guy but uh could be could be a big steal there for somebody there uh on on saturday in this nfl draft oh yeah i think did you know that nfl draft is this weekend um i said <laughs> I said before the Miles Kilbrew interview last night, I'm kind of like, this might be the first year, like, I'm just kind of, like, done with it all. I'm just so ready for the draft to happen. I've, you know, I've heard, I've read so many mocks. I've heard so many mock draft podcasts. So there's so many, so many rumors. It's just, like, all, like, inside my head, and I just can't sleep at night. And I'm just like, let's just have this draft now. Let's get it over with. Um, But anyway, there was another four-game suspension here in the NFL, Nick. But, uh, hey, this time it wasn't for drugs, right? Tom Brady, uh, Deflategate, has finally come back into the news and looks like he's going to be suspended. What are, what are your thoughts, and do you think it's really going to affect this Patriots team? Um, well, I did hear he's going to appeal the suspension again, so we haven't heard the last of the story, of course. Seems like the story that will never end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Patriots – It'll affect them. I mean, anytime you don't have your Hall of Fame quarterback, you're not going to be as good. But, I, you know, as long as they made the right choice there with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they'll probably be all right. At least go 500 in the four-game suspension. You know, Belichick, we're, this is, we're going to answer this question to some extent in our Saturday question and answer series. But, um, they have, I mean, this even if this happened now, even if, you know, they're going to put in their appeal, Think of all the time they have to prepare for this moment, not to mention Jimmy Garoppolo prepared for this last summer. So, I mean, I, I think they're going to be just fine. And you look at it, Tom Brady is like a 15-year NFL vet, 16-year NFL vet. Now he gets to sit on the bench for four games and not get hit for four games. I feel like you're giving Brady somewhat of an advantage by giving him, getting him suspended because it's obviously the only way he's going to not be on the field. Is is to be suspended, but now he's. It's not like he's going to come in rusty. I mean, they'll have him, uh, you know, oiled up and ready to go when he comes in, and he's going to have a little less mileage on his, you know, let's put it, let's, you know, put it nicely, older body. I mean, I we're about the same age, me and Brady, and I just, you know, just to have a little bit less wear and tear from, you know, from week to week to have that. Have I think he gets an advantage having the suspension, even if it gets reduced to one or two games. It's, it's still I think an advantage for him to uh, 
especially endure four less games of hit. So I don't think it's going to have a huge fantasy repercussion on the rest of this rest of this team at all. So um, any any thoughts on uh, your your Oregon Duck Vernon Adams? Nick, he apparently really likes himself, uh, but nobody else is really talking about him. So why not put yourself in the news by saying he thinks he's just as good as Jared Goff? What are your thoughts there? Uh, It's it's so tough to say because he was injured at the beginning of the season, so he didn't play very well, you know, early on. And then in the second half of the season, once he uh, was recovered and healthy, he looked great. But when it's such a small sample size, it's really tough to say what kind of success he's going to have. Plus, uh, being, you know, not the tallest quarterback doesn't help his case either. Yeah, you know, he he often compares himself to Russell Wilson, but, uh, you know, Russell's got some – He's got some meat in those thighs, and he's certainly – I mean, I'll never forget watching – I think it was maybe this year, maybe maybe a year ago, Russell Wilson versus Washington on Monday night. And there's a couple of plays where, you know, he he's rolling back to pass, and he's, you know, avoiding tacklers, running backwards for like 10, 15 yards, and I'm thinking – how is anybody supposed to stop this guy? He's just—he's so strong in the lower body, and uh, just—I just can't. Yeah, just yeah. He's Brandon Adams is not that type of player. So obviously, there's just rumors all over the place. Some of it's smokescreen. Some of it's you know whatever. Christian Hackenberg going in the first round. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, def- I don't think that's going to happen. Um, maybe late first at the. But also some other news swirling is Cleveland is either going to do one of two things. They're either taking they're taking Zeke Elliott with an eight overall pick, or they're going to trade down again so they can take like a Connor Cook or a Paxton Lynch. Any any, any thoughts there, Nick? Uh, yeah, as many holes. Their best choice. If they were to stay there, I think Ezekiel Elliott probably would be the best player available, so that would make be a good choice. Um, but I think definitely they should trade down if they have the opportunity. They have a lot of holes to fill there in Cleveland, so the more draft picks, the better. And just in case you think it's raining outside and when Cleveland drafts Ezekiel Elliott, it might be the dynasty committee crying for his his fantasy future because that that might not be the uh, point in time certainly not um well it is dynasty dilemma time we could probably squeak that in before jeff calls and we have got eight minutes here so let's uh let's just get into it as we pit uh tyler boyd versus uh, sterling shepherd now i had the chance to go first uh so i chose tyler boyd i just i feel like this guy's just not getting enough respect and uh i i've i had obviously enjoy a good challenge and Going against Nick every week is certainly a challenge. So, But let's see what I found out here about Mr. Tyler Boyd. Um, Boyd is kind of your do-it-all wide receiver. He was everything and more to the Pitt Panthers offenses last season. Now he's falling down draft boards because he didn't test off the charts. Are you flipping kidding me? He can play outside. He can play in a slot. He shows excellent field awareness and pristine hands. His five his four five eight forty time and his six nine zero three cone time are not slow. I repeat, not slow. Again with the sub second, sub seven second three cone time. Not sure why I can't never say that right away, but uh, sub seven second three cone time under seven seconds. That's always impressive to me. Uh, now this dilemma comes full with a full frontal disclaimer. I love both of these players very much. I might even like Shepard a smidge more. His tape is as riveting as it is enjoyable. And yes, NFL personnel are smart people, but I still feel Shepard will be harnessed to a slot role 
which would be a darn shame because I believe that he can, like Boyd, can play all over the place, whether it's the X or the Z. Uh, Boyd does have an advantage because cause of, a, cause of the, his height, excuse me, and therefore NFL teams will more than likely thrust Boyd into the limelight earlier on. He has already carried the entire an entire scheme. Now he can make a smoother transition, I believe. Lance Zerline has compared uh, Boyd to Keenan Allen. I see uh, fantasy god Reggie Wayne just a little bit in the way he uses his length and his amazing field awareness. Boyd has ridiculous hands, and they're very strong hands at that. I, I chose Boyd because the dynasty community loves Shepard, but I think he will have to prove himself at least two seasons in the slot so that he can dominate in the slot before he's even considered to play outside and be that PPR monster we all yearn for on team. Yet, and that's a big yet, his team might think adding a wide receiver to complement Shepard, a true outside wide receiver to complement Shepard, might be the way to go at that point. So we may never get to see him play outside. Even though I believe he can, it just might not ever happen for him. While and again, I'm just speculating here. While we have seen a nice amount of short wide receivers be productive in recent years, it takes a certain special kind of talent to be a, an under six foot wide receiver one. I like Shepard, and, and I love him in certain aspects of his game. But is he Antonio Brown or Odell Beckham? Is he even Jarvis Landry or, to a lesser extent, John Brown? Unfortunately, I would say no. Boyd and Shepard are so neck and neck for me. I think it really comes down to pro versus pro. That's right. Not pro versus town, pro versus pro for me. So Shepard has a better 40 time. Um, but Boyd, again, has the better three cone time. Um, Shepard has the better vert. Uh, but I think Boyd Boyd also has a little bit of longer arms. Shepard has a better broad jump. Uh, but Lloyd has better, longer speed. You know, better forty time, but with the better, with the better three cone time on Boyd, I, I like that more. I think Shepard maybe reads coverages a little bit better, so I think uh, just, just, just slightly better. But I think that's a big pro for Shepard. But I also think that Boyd has a better understanding of uh, the route tree. And he also has more experience at all of the wide receiver positions. And again, with the three cone, I think Boyd is a little more agile in traffic. So if I use up my math here, I have six pros to four pros. So I give I give Boyd an advantage of two there in my in my weird calculating brain. So Nick, what do you have for us on Mr. Sterling Shepard? Well, I'm going to start off with uh, Boyd, actually. He's a player some people like, but I'm really not too high on him. Now, of course, when you see that he topped the great Larry Fitzgerald school receiving records, it makes you turn your head and look at him. But Boyd really only had 116 catches for 1,600 yards and nine scores over three seasons. Never had 750 yards or five receiving touchdowns in a season. And I worry about Tyler Boyd physically at the NFL level. Yes, he is 6'1", but he's under 200 pounds. That's pretty skinny. Will stronger NFL corners be able to shut him down just by playing bump and run coverages? You know, his lack of strength also hurts him as a run blocker, which that could limit his snap count possibly. Uh, you, you hope when a guy isn't strong that he's going to be really fast, but that isn't the case either with Boyd, who, like you said, ran a 4.59 at the Combine. So, you know, he's kind of slow, kind of weak, and only mildly productive in college. Oh, and he has a DUI on his record and has another red flag, whereas Sterling Shepard has no off 
off-the-field issues. Uh, now, it's cliche, of course, to say if so-and-so was six foot two, 220 instead of 5'10", 194, they'd be a top-10 pick. But I actually believe that's the case with Shepard. He was super productive in college, uh, 233 catches for almost 3,500 yards and 26 scores. Yes, he did play in more of a passing offense than Boyd was in at Pittsburgh, but that just gives Shepard more experience at running routes, which he is considered to be a master at for a rookie, and he's making plays. Uh, really, the only negative you can find with Sterling Shepard is his size, five foot ten, one ninety four. But unlike some smaller receivers, and unlike Tyler Boyd, Sterling Shepard is strong both on the field and in the workout room. He tied for number one in bench reps among wide receivers at the combine, to go along with his sub four five forty time. And Shepard can likely be had for cheaper, as three out of four DFW rankers put Boyd above Shepard in their rankings. But if I'm either a dynasty owner or an NFL GM deciding between these two, I would have to go with Shepard. Uh, I was the one ranker that had Boyd a little bit higher. Uh, but, I mean, like I said, they're so neck and neck. And I honestly don't think you can go wrong. I think it's it's hard to say. I think if you want, like, consistent PPR value, I do think Boyd can provide that. I know you said he's under 200 pounds, but he's like 195 or something like that. So, you know, hopefully in, in an NFL weight room, he's got a, the longer frame. Hopefully he can add a little bit more there. Um, but I do think Boyd is, or excuse me, Shepard might be a little bit more flashier player. So if you, you know, if you like the, you like the sexy pick, I think you should do that. But uh and I, I'm, I do want to say, too, I'm, I'm not trying to say that I'm predicting Tyler Boyd's going to be a bust. I'm just saying there's more red flags in his game than there is in Shepard's to me. Yeah, I just I feel like with Boyd, you know, they put so much on him this year, and that that's just was so impressive to me. So I think he can uh, – I think he can do some good things, and uh, my, my – my guy, Fran Duffy, the Philadelphia Eagles film guru, thinks Boyd should be a first-round pick. So I'll throw that in there. But let's see uh, let's see what our buddy Jeff Floyd says. He's, he's been patiently waiting on hold for us, Nick. Let's, we'll just ask him right away. We'll see what he got for us. Jeff, are you there? Absolutely, guys. How are we doing today? All right. Good. Well, can you help us decide? To, what do you think, Tyler Boyd or Sterling Shepard? Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard oh, is just on. so complete. I'm not saying Boyd, Boyd, there's got to be progression to get there. Sterling Shepard is probably the best route runner in this class. Um, If you want a statement game, watch the Baylor game from this year. 14 receptions on 15 targets. Absolutely dominated. Deep patterns, short patterns, in between the hashes. um, Adjusts really well when the pocket is broken. You know, know, obviously has the mentality to get himself to an open spot. Uh, definitely Sterling Shepard. A dream scenario for me for Shepard would be uh, he probably should go late round one, but if he makes it to that Tampa Bay second round pick, you oh. got Mike Evans, Jameis, Sterling Shepard, you know, he'll revise what uh, Rashad Green did for Jameis in college. That's almost just too perfect. Yeah, great, great comparison there with Rashad Green. And Jeff wasn't even ready for that question, and he just, he just, bam, he hits it. And that's why we bring Jeff back because he's. He's fabulous, and he's he's the best. So, again, Jeff Lloyd inside the pylon. Um, did you know the NFL draft is tomorrow? Did you know the first round? I, I, there's, a little, <laughs> there's a little rumor that there's something about tomorrow night. Yeah. And, actually, uh, it was kind of funny because uh, yesterday, you know, my girls' soccer team, and, oh, we're having practice on Thursday? Yeah, nah, the weather looks a little iffy. Let's just take yeah. Thursday off. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, my daughter knew they were going to be off for, like, three weeks. So just, shut up. Don't tell anybody. Just shut up. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, we'll oh, okay. be a little busy tomorrow night. Definitely be a little busy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thought I would first start by putting Jeff, just because he's so awesome, Put him, give him a little bit of NFL draft trivia. Um, in the year 2000, Jeff, your New York Jets had four first-round oh. picks. Isn't that insane? Yes. Four first-round picks. Can you name those players they took? They were 1.12, 1.13, 1.18, and 1.27. I won't get the order right, but I will get the four guys right. Uh, John Abraham, right. Sean Ellis, Anthony Beckton, Chad Pennington. Boom. He was, honestly, Pennington that, was, that was one of the yep, – uh, yeah, I know I didn't have him in order right. Yeah. But that was just awesome, though. I mean, obviously, that's when they moved on from Keyshawn Johnson uh, – you know, obviously got a haul from t- – it never really hit like they thought it to hit. But, I mean, if you go back and you look at all four of those players, all four of those players had pretty solid careers. Obviously, Chad, the shoulder, you know, went out a little sooner than, you know, he would have liked. Mm-hmm. Anthony Beck pretty did a really good job as a tight end for numerous teams over the years. Uh, Abraham, obviously, you know, towards the end of his career, started to have some head problems, but was a consistent guy in the backfield, many years over 10 sacks per game. Sean Ellis wasn't one of the most prettiest defensive ends you've ever seen. But, you know, more than held his own, and obviously now he's off to a real solid career at ESPN. There's a lot of jet work. There's a lot of, uh, obviously, NFL work. There's great work over there. But, I mean, you know, I mean, that's like every every fan's dream is that your team somehow ends up with four first-round picks. Yeah, and you you wonder, especially back then without that uh, rookie salary cap, what uh, what it would cost a team really to do that. I mean, it's not like you're the, they're the first four picks, but certainly to pay people four first round talent, that doesn't seem like it would be feasible for a lot of NFL teams. But yeah, I mean, John, John Abraham, a hundred and like 130 career sacks. I mean, he's, he's right yep. over there towards the top. Certainly a great player. Um, Nick, coincidentally, your Washington Redskins had two picks in that first round before all of those picks. Do you remember who they were? Was that the uh, LeVar Arrington and Chris Samuels draft? Yep, it was. Jeez, you guys are you guys are so great. I'm going to give you another question, but I'm going to let you collaborate because I'm such a nice guy, Jeff. You get my buddy Nick to help you out on this one here, okay? All right. There's three. There's three players from the year 2000. You guys remember Conan O'Brien, the year 2000 thing? Uh, <laughs> um, there's three players from that 2000 draft that are still active in the NFL. And any idea who they are? Oof. Got to think somehow there's yeah. a specialist in there. How about a Shane? How about Shane Leckler? Yes, that was the one. Uh, I thought no way they're going to get this one. So, well, you you know you got to think 15, 16 years of longevity in the NFL. First thing you got to think is somehow a specialist. Yep. So you got you got Leckler. Didn't the Raiders, uh, didn't yep, the Raiders, Raiders also Raider, draft yep. Janikowski that year? Oh. You bet. Speaking of the first round. So there's there one go. more. Specialist or non-specialist? Non-specialist. Surefire Hall of Famer. Oh, Tom Brady. Tom Brady. There he is. <laughs> Sixth yeah. round. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. Maybe all those guys are surefire Hall of Famers. I don't know. Maybe not Janikowski. But come on, Leckler's amazing. Uh, but anyway, we have a draft coming up in front of us. So, speaking along those lines, Jeff, I thought I thought it would be fun to ask you if your Jets were in the same situation. If you had the 12th pick, the 13th pick, and the 18th, 18th and the 27th pick, 
Is there? I'm sure you won't have any problems with this, but who are the four players that you would take in the first round of this draft? Um, I would definitely come out of it somehow with Paxton Lynch. Uh, the Jets, it, it, they need a quarterback. It's, every front office, every coaching staff, you always want your guy at quarterback. You know, this is, this is our baby. This is our key to it all. Um, obviously, there's no way Goff or Wentz is going to get to him, which, you know, Goff, I really like Wentz. Uh, you know, look, Wentz going to a major city from North Dakota, taking two steps up in competitiveness and athleticism and talent. He's got a lot ahead of him. Paxton Lynch, I just I, – I, I've grown more and more in love with him as the process goes on. Uh, just now you start to see more where he's engaging. You're seeing more interviews. I think, yeah, I like the personality. Yeah, obviously not going to be ready from day one, but I think that's a hole they would definitely need to fill. Um, with four first-rounders, probably, you know, you would definitely want to go ahead and uh, get an offensive tackle here. Obviously, brought in Ryan Clady, but, you know, about 30 years old now, definitely injury-prone, so you need a future guy, so hopefully somebody could start out at right tackle. Taylor Decker would be someone that could fit that bill. Jason Springs out of Indiana. Um, they do need another pass rusher. It's, you know, it's pretty obvious. I mean, the edge position this year isn't great, but, I mean, if you were going to be able to have a fourth first-round pick late, uh, Kameli Correa out of Boise State, maybe something I'd look to address. And uh, they probably need a – they have guys who could possibly be the second cornerback. Dean Milner's been injured pretty much most of his career. He's not part of this front office or this coaching staff. Uh, Dexter McDougal, not part of this front office, not part of this coaching staff, been dinged up. Marcus Williams played well last year, filling in for – obviously for Cromarty. I don't know if they view him as a cornerback number two. So I guess it would probably go a second cornerback and Eli Apple, perhaps maybe, or uh, uh, Mackenzie Alexander, one guy I'm not as high on as others. I mean, he's somebody definitely a possibility there. If Vernon Hargraves, if you went that early, maybe you could get him at 12 or 14. I think those would be the four positions you probably hit on would be offensive tackle, quarterback, pass rusher, and corner. Okay. Uh, Nick, any questions there for Jeff? Well, you mentioned that you really like Paxton Lynch. Uh, if, if you were running the show with the Jets, would you trade up to grab Paxton Lynch, or do you think he, there's any chance that he slides to you guys? It's interesting because uh, it seems 10 days ago he was a slam dunk top 20. Then, you know, a couple days later, it seemed if you needed him, you were going to go top 10. Now there's the he might get out of the first round. I mean, there's just so much flying around right now. And I mean, you guys read everything <laughs> I do. You know, a guy was, you know, mid-second round two days ago. Now he's top five. Uh, the new one, uh, Sheldon Rankins, fantastic player. But now all of a sudden, slam dunk won't get out of the top ten. It's, it's, you know, who knows what he can really believe at this point. Obviously, anything that's being leaked is being leaked for a reason. Teams want to see some reaction, hear what, you know, analysts have to say about certain things that they might be thrown off the wall. So definitely crazy in that regard. Um, see, the thing with the Jets is, is they have this huge chip of Mo Wilkerson. They can't afford Mel Wilkerson. They, they have about $3 million right now in cap space. I mean, not, almost everything reads that regardless, Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to come back once they get the most situation settled. So if you wanted to tell me you could move, you know, your pick 20 and Mo to get up to get your future quarterback. I mean, look, as great of a player as Mo is, as great of a part as ambassador to New Jersey, he's been, grew up here his whole life, he's been here his whole career. It just doesn't work. The economics of it are just not there. He's going to have – so, you know, if, if that's the move and you're going to do that, I mean, maybe it costs you, you know, a, a pick, maybe, you know, a conditional pick next year. If you tell me I can move 20 
and mow and get where I need to be to get my quarterback of the future, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Okay. And I honestly think of all the quarterbacks or all the players, or excuse me, teams that need quarterbacks. If even if you're starting a guy like Lynch this year, I mean, what a better situation to come in with Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker. I mean, who wants to go to the Rams? I mean, I'll, I'll take Marshall and Decker over Kenny Britton, Tavon Austin, any day. Um, but uh, what's uh, – um, no, I lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, I mean, speaking of, you know, just rumors, you know, and all, all of a sudden Buffalo Bills are uh, enamored and they're going to take Christian Hackenberg in the first. We hear all kinds of it, but, you know, it's with good cause. I mean, look, look at where Buffalo took EJ Manuel. Look at where the Vikings took Christian Ponder. I mean – we shouldn't even be mentioning him on the podcast. I mean, Denver traded up to take Tim Tebow in the first round. Speaking of guys we shouldn't talk about anymore, but I mean, <laughs> we we know strange things can happen here in the in the uh, in the NFL draft. There, so um, uh, I thought it'd be fun to play a little bit of over under in terms of a uh, first round in position, Jeff. So what do you? What do you think? Uh, I'm going to set the over under in round one at wide receivers at three. You're going is that spot on? You're going to go over or under that? I would probably take it at three. Uh, I, I think Doxon at this point is a lock. I think Treadwell's a lock. Uh, I think you get one more. A lot of people want to uh, seem to be pegging Will Will Fuller to Houston. I mean, hey, if you're Houston, I mean, I mean, you know, good luck. God bless you with that one. Uh, me personally, I wouldn't do it. I would take, I mean, I think Corey Coleman should definitely be a first round guy, but uh, a lot of these guys, you know, they do have, it's all about how they're going to transcend into the NFL. Every one of these guys has got a couple of hiccups and warts. They got to work out. Um, I've said many times this class though. I mean, there, these guys aren't wide receiver ones. There's no AJ greens out here. There's no megatrons. There's no guys of this caliber. These guys are all wide receiver too. These guys aren't wives. These guys are side pieces. Okay. Nick, Nick, any thoughts there? Uh, I agree 100% with everything Jeff said. Uh, Corey Coleman, Doctor, and Treadwell, probably first-rounders. But, yeah, none of these guys are top ten picks for sure. Yeah, and if you look at the teams that need wide receivers, Minnesota and Cincinnati, I think I think it'd be pretty – I'd be pretty surprised if they do another position. Obviously, Detroit could be in that wide receiver discussion too – Houston, well, that would be that would be nice, you know. They they have Jalen Strong. He does have he did get arrested for pot this offseason, so I, I I'd imagine we'll see some kind of suspension coming from that. But uh, I think three seems like a pretty fair number, and I'll actually be a little bit surprised if it's if it's four. But um, well, I think Ezekiel Elliott might be our only lock. But I'm gonna set the over under here for running backs in the first round at one point five. What do you think, Jeff? Under. It's Ezekiel Elliott, and he's the only one. He's the only one. No no way Derrick Henry goes to Carolina at the end there or anything? I, I don't see it because, honestly, the reason why I also wouldn't do it for Carolina, well, I mean, even within the last few days, I just lost my top corner, who was a huge playmaker for me. Whether or not you know Carolina wants to say, look, it's just more of our system, and Josh Norman played great in it, you just don't have a guy to replace Josh Norman on your roster at hand. So I think corners a need. I feel, still think maybe you got to consider one more wide receiver, just enough to get you over the hump. I mean, obviously he got to the Super Bowl, but just didn't have enough, uh, you know, bullets in the gun, so to speak, to finish it off. Um, and a lot of things you're going to ask, you know, Derrick Henry to do, Cam Newton does with running the ball anyway. So 
for, for me, I would probably just, you know, I, I would pass. I mean, there's nothing wrong with adding a running back in the second round or the third round. Probably get better bang for your buck by taking someone there. But, uh, no, I would say one and one only, so definitely the under. Yeah, it seems weird that we could – Elliot could potentially go in the top ten and then uh, not – who knows, we we'll might have to wait 30 picks for it to see another top – RB go. What do you think, Nick? You going under there? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'm going under. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's the only first-rounder. I could see Carolina, if they traded back, possibly going for Derrick Henry, but I don't see him taking him in the first round. Well, this is the one that everybody wants, and, and we know this number tends to be uh, inflated when you consider performance, but what about quarterbacks in the first round, Jeff? I put it at three. I, I think that's a pretty fair number, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's four. What do you think? I would say I would go with the over. Um, look, when you get late in that first round, uh, obviously, you know, we saw it a couple of years ago, Minnesota with Teddy Bridgewater. Teams want, if you're going to be able to get your rookie quarterback and get your young quarterback, they want that extra year on the contract. So if you can get him pick 30 or 31, obviously only this year, gives you one more year of team control. Uh, obviously, you don't have to pay him much at all. Uh, you know, we've discussed the top three. You have Denver sitting there, obviously, in definitely some sort of need of a quarterback, whether it's through trade or they stay at 31 and draft one. I think you're going to end up with over. There's a lot of talk now that it's four to five that go round one. Seems a little crazy to me just on the talent. But, uh, you know, it's you've got to have quarterbacks. There's no way around it. It's, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, it's the most, posi- most important position on the field. Always has been. Always will be. We've talked about this before with you guys. We had two teams start four different quarterbacks this year. This is, it's huge. It is critical. It is huge that you have them, and you at least have one or two that are capable enough to do something for your team. You know, you've got to get through those 16 weeks somehow, and hopefully you get through 19, 20 weeks. So I would go over, uh, you know, the fourth and fifth will be a couple of head scratchers. You know, I'm not a Connor Cook fan at all, but there's a lot of talk that he might find his way in there at 30 or 31, which surprises the hell out of me. But, you know, the importance of the position wins out here. Yeah, and with Philly and uh, Los Angeles both trading up to take quarterbacks one and two, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. Um, that's that's two right off the bat, so you only need one more to hit that mark. Um, I don't know. I didn't, didn't even know if we need to talk about this, but hat, what do you think, 0. 0.5 on the tight end? Maybe, maybe a long shot that we see Hunter Henry go round one, Jeff? I go under. I don't see any of these tight ends. I don't see any of them good enough. I just it's in the tight end positions. Uh, look, a lot of these guys who have turned into ridiculously good tight ends in the NFL, a lot of them came from nowhere or were you know misused in college or barely used in college. You know, you have the Antonio Gateses of the world. I mean, look, Jason Witten, surefire Hall of Famer. He didn't even get drafted in the first round, and he was a guy with a great college resume at tight end. Uh, just I, I just don't see it. I mean, I think there's some nice players. I like Vanette as well. Uh, Henry Henry seems to be a pretty solid tight end. I just don't see anything here, you know, in the class with this fighting class that I would say any of them go 30 in the top 31 picks. Okay. And Detroit already has their first-round tight end. So, um, Hey, yeah. a lot of people mock that pick, but he I tell you what, fantasy-wise, he came on big last year. Oh, yeah. You, know, you, don't need, you don't need to talk me down. I'm the, I'm the biggest Eric Ebron fan there is. <laughs> okay, then we, then we drive that bus together, my friend. <laughs> okay. Uh, Nick, I forgot to give you a shout-out to quarterbacks. What do you think there? Uh, I 
personally can't see any more than three. I think it would be a huge reach for Connor Cook or Kevin Hogan or Cardale Jones, Hackenberg, any of those guys to go in the first round. Uh, I do like Jeff's point, though, about teams liking that extra fifth year on the on the rookie contract if they do take the quarterback at the end of the first. That was a great point. Um, as far as tight ends, I would also go under. I just don't see any of these guys being first-round worthy. Plus the fact that uh, now teams are realizing that you know it takes tight ends two, three years to develop, so it's tough to invest a first-round pick unless you really believe that that guy is supremely talented at the position. Well, and speaking of tight ends, you know, some people knock, knock the depth, depth of this class, but Jeff, I don't know if you if you noticed or if I, if I told you, but we, we started the podcast today talking to University of Texas San Antonio tight end. Uh, David Morgan, probably a day three guy, but uh, certainly a certainly an individual that we are, are big fans of, and we think he's kind of, kind of a sleeper in this draft. Have you watched film on David Morgan, Jeff? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one thing I liked was uh, obviously good after the catch. Uh, you know, showed some open ability. Was tough. You know, definitely was able to lower shoulder. You know, turn more. You know, turn more into each play. Um, the tight end, it's just tough. And the other thing is, each team wants two or three, and you know, they all have their defined roles, which I think really hurts the draft position that that one would be taken. Um, let's put it this: I mean, Antonio Gates has dominated the position for years now. We've seen nothing like him come out of college in a long time. Um, maybe Ebron's the closest. And even like you said, it took him the time to find his niche. Uh, it's just, it's just too difficult to draft it early. Um, and you want the strength in numbers. You look at the jets, Jason Morrow looked like a fantastic pick two years ago. Now here he is coming back for year three. He was not drafted by this regime. He'll probably make the team, but I, I don't know how much faith they actually have in him. It, it's just, it's, it's just a tough position to figure and, you know, put a guy in a spot, you know, four or five years later, from where he's going to be. Uh, it's just one of the toughest positions to evaluate where they could be from college to where they're going to be in the NFL. And so much of it depends on the scheme they go to, whether or not tight ends are important, whether or not they're drafted solely on their blocking first and anything they do pass receiving is minimal. It, it just, it, it's a definitely a tough, tough position to evaluate right now because we're just not getting a lot of the Uber athletes that we're getting, you know, I mean, we get the basketball converts, but those guys are coming in so late that, that there's not enough time to truly assess them, you know, where Jimmy Graham was a mid-round pick, but then eventually hit, you know, by year two or three of playing the game, he really, really took off. But that's really hard to predict at an early stage of a guy playing the position and the game, you know. Well, and you mentioned tight ends. Have, you want them – teams want a handful, a couple of them to have a defined role. So would you think it would be better for a tight end to be really good at one thing rather than be – versatile and be able to move all around? Would you rather have him like a great inline tight end rather than a guy that you know you'd be comfortable splitting out wide? I think uh, uh, exactly. You would want to start with the inline, t- but you would want, you want the solid, you want the solid testing, the solid athletic numbers. You want great blocking on film. And then anything we get after him from there, blocking is what's going to keep you in. They can always find guys on play action to, you know, fake a block or chip on a block and get out to a flat or run a seven yard out. You can find the guys to do that. You need the guys who can just be on the field first down, second down and third down. And it's just where, you know, it seems, I don't know, I guess maybe it's dried up. A lot of people say that some of the greatest tight ends don't play tight end anymore. You'd put them at edge pass rusher just because you'd rather the better athlete there. So maybe that's maybe why the tight end positions dried up a little bit, which does make some sense mm-hmm. to it. But it's just – there's just not as many there as, you know, NFL teams would like. 
Well, David Morgan, 29 bench press reps, reps uh, most at the combine for any tight end, and a sub-seven-second three-cone time. So another plug-in there for our guy, David Morgan. But uh, um, I wanted to ask you, I know we're getting off subject here, but last time we talked to you was pre-combine. Now, now we've actually seen all the results. But, you know, I've had a, now had a chance for a couple of years to really pay attention to these prospects off-season, kind of the testing and stuff. What do you think about, like, the 40 as opposed to the three-cone? I think three-cone probably tells a bit more of an athletic tale than the 40 because, like I said earlier, I mean, how many chances are you going to get the shot to just run 40 straight yards on NFL field? That just doesn't happen very often. So I I think the three-cone maybe is a little bit more important, and I love those guys that run in under seven seconds. What do you think? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it shows your explosion. Obviously, it shows how fast you get in and out of a break, you know, how fast and powerful you are in and out of a cut. Um, the 40 time is great and all, you know, obviously, because, look, you want speed. There's just no way around it. But, I mean, like you said, no one's ever just getting a chance where they're just going to be able to show off their straight line speed. You know, that is few and far between, you know, that that ever gets to happen. The three-cone is a huge one, obviously, and all of them now are. The short shuttles, all that, it's, you know, how quick can you get in and out of a break? And I mean, it, it's essential to this day's game and age. And, you know, a lot of people get down on it. Oh, look, they're, they're, if the guy doesn't test well and he was a great college football player, it's okay that a guy was just a great college football player and maybe has zero impact at the NFL level. Uh, obviously, Tim Tebow's name came up before. One of the greatest college football players that ever lived and look, whatever happened that one year in Denver, that was nice and all. A lot of it was flukish and luck. You can be a great college football player and be zero in the NFL. You can be an exceptional athlete in college football without much of a resume on tape and still somehow turned out to be a solid NFL player. It doesn't work that way for the non-athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, sometimes they don't test well. Look at Jarvis Landry had a horrible combine a couple of years ago and He's he's been made the transition quite well, I think. But, he, but he's, still, he's still tested well in short area quicknesses, which is what he's excelling in. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, you know, a lot of that was overlooked. I mean, a lot of it based it on the 40 time, which is fine. Calvin Benjamin, another one, terrible 40 time, had a phenomenal rookie year. I um, mean, mm-hmm. you just got to, you know, get you got to find the numbers that work for your system and make sure the guy's got something to go along with it. And But, I mean, you know, like a uh, prime example, uh, Matt Cave is a linebacker at a temple fantastic football player does he sustain a long NFL career I just don't see it because there's just so many other athletes who are capable of reading and diagnosing the play as well but should be able to do it better because they tested better athletically mm-hmm. yeah and you know another guy Alshon Jeffrey four six five forty times so so yeah. what good luck out jumping him I mean <laughs> the guy jumps out of the gym so um where were we Edge players. Let's let Nick start since he's been so quiet over there. Uh, now, I know we're, we could get into a huge conversation outside linebacker versus defensive end. And love the Camelay Correa drop, by the way, Jeff. Love that kid. I have no problem with somebody takes him in the first round. But edge players, Nick, I put it five. I, 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 I maybe should have studied this before I put a number on it a little bit stronger in terms of outside linebacker versus defensive end. But what do you think? I think five is pretty, pretty solid. 
Yeah, I think five is probably pretty spot on. It could go a little bit higher just because of how, what a premium is placed on the position these days. You know, you got to get some quarterback. That's the key to slowing down on these high-powered offenses. So it may be closer to six or seven, but I think five is probably spot on. I would. Pro- I'll probably. I'll probably go with the over two. Um, you know, the, the position is such a premium. Um, obviously, you know, you just. Just even quick thinking, obviously, you know, Shaq Lawson, Leonard Floyd, however you want to classify him. I don't have him as a third rounder, but apparently, you know, he's going to go as high as 10 or 11 in this draft, which dumbfounds me. Um, it's, it's the name of the game. Uh, you know, a lot of teams nowadays, look, you know, I, I'll do, I'll have what I have in my secondary, but if I'm going to give any NFL quarterback three and a half seconds to throw the ball, then, you know, a lot of defense coordinators, you know, they, they're with the theory of we're going to get beat. We can't cover guys that long. It's just – it's the premium. It's it's crushing the pocket, whether you're not sacking the quarterback, get him out of the pocket, have him throwing it away. Even if he runs, just don't let him get the nine yards that he needs on third and nine. It's, it's you know, besides, as important as quarterback is to the offense, pass rushing is to the defense. Amen. Um, and you stole you stole my line there with the crusher. I, you know, we, everybody everybody likes that edge be, edge bender term when I talk about prospects. But I just I said on the podcast last month I said when I bring up the edge crusher as opposed to edge bender that means I really like the guy. So yeah, the edge <laughs> crusher. Nice work. Um, remember that Fear Factory song, Nick? Uh, um, <laughs> defensive tackles four. Now, I, I honestly think it should be 12 because this this class is so deep, but there is need coming into play here. What do you think, Jeff? Four defensive tackles in the first? I'll go over. Um, and like you said, I mean, honestly, there could be – I mean, you could probably make this statement for eight or nine of these guys. I think part of what it is, the class is so deep, it almost hurts itself. Because, yeah. you know, look, I can still get a guy who could maybe start in the second round. I might even be able to get a guy and start in the beginning of the third round. It's an extremely deep class, uh, you know, just off the, oh, the four, yeah, definitely way on the over there. I would, yeah, I would probably say you're definitely probably going to go six, seven range. You could make the case, like I said, for nine or ten, uh, ridiculously deep class, all athletic, all strong, all move well, uh, you know, give you more than just a traditional, you know, guy who's just going to eat up two blockers. Uh, yeah, just loaded, loaded class on the defensive front. Nick, what do you think? I'm going to go under just because of how deep the class is. Yeah, there's probably eight guys, like Jeff said, that could vie to be first-round picks. But since there's so many of them, teams are going to pass, figuring they can get a starter in the second and third round. Um, yeah, I mean, in a lot of mocks that you see, uh, the top one, Ashawn Robinson, going to Washington at 21. And if that, I personally think the Redskins will pass and go for defensive tackle in the second round. So if he slips past there, then, yeah, you're talking, are we going to see four defensive tackles or five defensive tackles in the final 12, 10, 12 picks of the first round? I just don't see it. So I'm going to go under. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think I would – I think four is just the perfect number, so I'll stick on that one. Um, Sorry to get back to our tight end conversation, Jeff, when you were talking. I wanted to ask you about one more guy in terms of maybe maybe translation – kind of in that Jordan Reed mold with – what do you think about Thomas Duarte out of UCLA? Actually, uh, he's, he's he's definitely fun, uh, really good in the open field. Uh, you know, obviously you saw him with Josh Rosen, you know, put up a really good year here. I, I think I like the Jordan Reed comparison, but I, I don't know if you want to put that much on him just yet. Um, you know, probably, you know, fourth, fifth round, you know, because also, though, uh, you know, the Jets have a similar guy in Quincy and Nunwa. 
You can use him in a four-wide receiver set. You can obviously use him in an H-back setup. Just a guy, you know, you should be able to create some packages for uh, as long as he makes the, the jump. You know, obviously here we're going to, you know, jump here a little bit in talent. Uh, as long as he handles that all right and can process and, and run, you know, almost every route he's going to be asked to. They kind of kept it a little simple with him at UCLA. Um, but definitely a guy you could see to, you know, obviously a guy, you know, four or five reception a game type of guy if used correctly. Okay. So what's the craziest rumor you've heard these last couple of days, Jeff? Uh, uh, let's see here. How about Mel Kuyper Jr. having now here? We've talked about this, and you guys asked me eight weeks ago, give me a name that you just don't get it. Jack Conklin. Mel Kuyper Jr. has him as his fourth player in his draft. In my opinion, Jeff, Jack Conklin is a guard, an okay guard. You can't you, – everybody will play in their right tackle. If he can't block somebody on an island on the left side, how can he block somebody on the island on the right side? It doesn't make sense to me. Look, any team wants to draft him before the Jets pick at 20, God bless you. Have him. I just don't <laughs> see it. Uh, I have at least four tackles ahead of him. And like I told you, I don't view him as a tackle. I view him as a guard. I still don't get it with him. Defensively, another guy I'll give you is Leonard Floyd is another one. Oh, they want to call him an edge rusher. It's taken him 24 years to get to 240 pounds. There's no way he's bulking up anymore. Uh, he's an edge rusher. He never had more than six and a half sacks in a season. Now there's those saying, oh, we'll, we'll put him at linebacker. Well, there's not much to show he's done anything there. He's not really strong at the point of attack. How he's getting, you know, they, some had him in the Jacksonville at five this week. That's just another guy. I, I, I am 180 on apparently what the big draft media thinks. Jacksonville at five. I, I would like to assume that. Well, no, that can't be. There's no way he's going to go five because that means Jack Tunsil or Ramsey's going to be available. Come on. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, what about uh, what about some of the later round guys? Is there anybody last last time you had a you had a Roger Lewis for us? Is there any 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 mid round guys that that you kind of like right now? Um, well, there's some fun one. Uh, a linebacker I absolutely love is I love Steve Long out of Rutgers. Uh, three years leaving Rutgers as a redshirt junior, played inside, played out, averaged 100 tackles a year, tested well, good athlete, about six one, 230 pounds. He's not, you know, he's not too small. Uh, you know, be able to scrape on through. Obviously, follow the play. He's, he's shown it for years that he's been able to do it. Doesn't seem to be getting much love. A guy that I definitely think he could probably get early on day three. Doesn't necessarily need to start right away from day one. Contribute on specials. A guy, definitely a guy who's getting overlooked in that regard, which I can't understand. Um, running back wise, uh, the running backs. You know, there's a, you know, uh, you know, Kenneth Dixon's an interesting one, just because I, I worry that people aren't going to appreciate him for all that he is. I worry if he's going to get pigeonholed into like a Shane Vereen role, where he's only used as a pass receiver, and I think he could be much more than that. Uh, so he's definitely somebody I like. The wide receiver class is interesting. You know, Le- Leonte Carew, you know, with the off-field questions he had, now there's con- uh, obviously concerns. Uh, apparently three uh, documented concussions while he was out of Rutgers. So here's a guy, if you're going to get him maybe mid-third round, you know what you're getting right away. Solid contributor right away, but, you know, how long of a shelf life does he have, that type of stuff. So those are definitely some uh, guys you need to look out for day two and day three, with definitely some futures for him. Okay. Um, well, the last couple of weeks we've been playing, we've been playing something 
Um, oh yeah, sorry. One one more thing. Last combine idea ever, and I know I know it'll never happen. But what what if he brought Antonio Brown and Richard Sherman to the combine and said, okay, Will Fuller, here. Okay, Mackenzie Alexander, cover cover this guy. What what do you think? I, and I I thought about that same thing when you're talking about Jack Conklin. We're like, okay, Jack Conklin, you want to be a tackle? Here's JJ Watt. Let's see what you can do. Uh, I mean, in theory, yeah. Um, obviously, you know, because even still, I mean, well, why not maybe do like the offensive and the defensive line together? I mean, we all yeah. are putting guys against each other. Why, you know? I mean, oh wow, he looks really good there. Yeah, against a wide receiver. Wide receiver on a wide receiver, he should win every time, you know. And let's—I yeah. mean, honestly, if you're an offensive lineman, are you really going to go, you know, balls to the wall, holding the pad in a drill at the combine? No, you're not. So, I mean, it is a fun idea to it. Obviously, it'll never happen because you're going to put a competition aspect into it. One kid hurts himself, and that would turn out—you know—heads would roll, people would lose jobs. But uh, <laughs> you know, it definitely—I mean, this is where—I mean, we do get it with the All-Star Game process, but now every year with a hundred underclassmen or per year coming out early. We don't get to see it all. I mean, maybe find a way to sprinkle some underclassmen into some of these all-star games. We could maybe get a better taste that way, but until, you know, maybe they find a way to do that. I mean, this is the hand we're dealt. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So the game that we've been playing here the last couple of weeks is called kick me out of the war room. Now I'll, I'll let Nick <laughs> go first, Jeff. So you kind of get a feel for that, but Nick's going to, Nick's going to present uh, an idea that might some people might find outlandish, and we we're going to decide if we want to kick him out of the war room or not. So, uh, and then 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 we're going to then we ask Jeff to do it too. So we we'll see what see what Jeff brings up for us. But what do you got for us, Nick? Well, now that the Skins have signed Josh Norman, turning the secondary from a weakness into a strength, that frees up the team to turn to the offensive side of the ball, and I think they should take a hard look at the wide receiver position. Since there is no Sammy Watkins or Amari Cooper in this class, it is possible that at pick 21, Washington could come away with the number one receiver off the board. But Laquan Treadwell, Josh Dockson, and Corey Coleman all could be the pick. Last year, uh, the Skins drafted Matt Jones because they knew Alfred Morris would be gone this year. Same philosophy applies here, as both Pierre Garcon and Deshaun Jackson make over $9 million and could be gone next year, or even this year via draft, draft day trades. Um, neither Jackson nor tight end Jordan Reed have a great track record as far as staying healthy, so drafting a receiver in round one provides some insurance for the passing attack in case one of those guys were to get sidelined again. You know, they could go defensive tackle, but that, since that's one of the draft's deepest positions, they could likely land a quality player in round two. Many mock drafts have them going with Reggie Ragland as the choice. I wouldn't really argue that, but uh, two things. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone by the 21st <laughs> overall pick. And uh, the fact that you look at a team drafting a middle linebacker, you would think that would be because the uh, in the first round, you would think that would be because the division has a lot of strong running attacks, and that's not really the case in the NFC. So also a trade down wouldn't surprise me. You know, prior to the Josh Norman signing, they said they wanted to turn their eight picks into 12. So it's possibly that strategy's changed into a win-now mode, but I think they're going to stick to the original game plan. So I think either trade down or wide receiver would be the best move. Yeah, I, I don't, I, you make valid points, and like you said, defensive tackle is also a position, but it, it's so deep you can wait and get a quality player in the second. What do you think? Are you going to let him stay in the war room, Jeff? Oh, no, no, no. He's definitely, uh, you know, I, I de- honest for me, I, I do like the wide receiver idea. You know, the points you made, honestly, on uh, Garcon and Deshaun Jackson, Let's be honest, Deshaun Jackson, any given day, is looking at a one-week, two-week suspension because it's just his attitude. Everywhere he's been his entire <laughs> life, everywhere he's been his entire life, he's not been happy. 
He's known to shoot his mouth off. He's known to create problems. Uh, Pierre Garçon, you know, he had a quality career, but, you know, Father Time, you know, comes up out of nowhere. I mean, you know, Roddy White, 18 months ago, still a phenomenal player. Now a guy who's probably done. We'll probably never see him on a field again. So it definitely makes sense. And, look, Washington won that division last year. What do you want to do? You want to add – now you added Norman. You, you want to add maybe best player available. If you think it's a wide receiver, that makes a lot of sense. Also, maybe now maybe a little more depth. You know, I, w- I would still add another running back to that roster if I was Washington. Uh, you know, Reggie Wrangland, not a terrible idea, but, uh, you know, some sort of middle linebacker. Depth, 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 depth now. I mean, look, you're top dog. Don't let the pack come get you. You know, try to separate, separate yourself from the rest of the pack. Okay. So, Jeff. What do you what do you got for us? Oof. Can we keep? You want honestly, you want a minute? Uh, no, no, no. It's, uh, honestly, uh, for me, the most probably one of the most intriguing teams right now in the NFL has to be the Oakland Raiders. Everything they've done in the last two years has essentially turned to gold. This year, walked into free agency, had all the money in the world, and capitalized. Where they went out, big-name offensive line, big-name cornerback. Guys were available, bang, here's your check, here's your check, here's your check. The question is, is what's the most important thing to do at 14? If I'm Oakland, I am doing anything I can to get up and get Ezekiel Elliott. Look, Latavius Murphy's a nice nice player, has a little bit of an injury history. There's not enough there with his game that says, oh, my God, it would be disrespectful if we tried to do something different. You see a guy like Elliot with the love for the game, the passion seems to be 100% dialed in, like an Amari Cooper, like a Derek Carr. If I am Oakland, I'm pretty much doing anything I can to finish April 28th knowing that Ezekiel Elliott is now putting out of the Oakland Raiders running back. Well, I, I can't argue there. I'm a Raiders fan. So, uh, whatever, through the fantasy world, whatever's going to make us uh, successful. And I think, uh, I think Elliot I, I would think, be uh, – Nice. I think that, honestly, that puts, that puts Oakland in Super Bowl contention. I honestly think yeah. if they can get that person in, you know, the wide receiver, look, you still have Crab, you still have Cooper. You brought back the other two guys who Carr pined for, guys he really relies on. Uh, you know, Clive Walford, you know, started to come on a little bit last year. Now year two should see a lot more out of him. He filled holes on pretty much on the offensive line. You have two guys coming back from injury. Oh. Defensive line, like we've discussed this entire time, look, Mario Edwards Jr., you're probably a little nervous with the neck, but you can easily get somebody in the second round or the third round just in case Edwards isn't as ready as people think. I just think it's the absolute slam-dunk perfect move for Oakland. Yeah, and like you said, with the additions to the offensive line, putting Elliott in that backfield, oh, guess what? Derek Carr's a superstar with that type of running stack. So, uh, Nick, do you agree? Oh, yeah, that would be a fantastic move. I would love to see that offense. It would be one of the top offenses in the league for sure. Okay. Well, since we've, I've, already, I've already baited you guys talking about this fun defensive tackle class, um, I've spent probably the last two weeks uh, writing a profile on uh, Jaron Reed from Alabama. It's going to be coming out tomorrow on the website. And I don't think I'm going out on too much of it. Maybe you guys can talk me down. But – I think Jaron Reed, when it's all said and done 15, 20 years from now, is going to be the best defensive tackle of this class. Now, you can argue that he hasn't been a 
pass rusher and he just hasn't a lot, doesn't have a lot of sack production. But trust me, when you write a profile on somebody, you read everything, you study everything. And I, I honestly don't think that he was actually even asked to rush the passer at Alabama. That Alabama defense is very disciplined, and everybody plays their role. And there's there's an awesome interview with, with Reed and uh, Andy Benoit from uh, Monday Morning Quarterback where Reed is watching film with him. And Benoit is not even saying anything. Reed is just explaining everything that, that he does and what his gap responsibility is on that play. And you're just like, oh, my gosh, is this guy a 20-year veteran coach? No, he's he's a he's a 22-year-old kid just probably going to get drafted in the first round. And when you look at this position, I think all of our teams represented here with the Jets, Redskins, and Raiders, any one of our teams would be happy to have this guy. And I think everybody certainly has a need. Not only can he play the nose or the one, the zero technique, I think he could play the three, four D end. Um, you know, and it might not translate in terms of like tackle production or, you know, stats, but just the fact that he is just such a menace. And like Jeff said, the one of the most important things with defensive tackles is can you occupy two offensive linemen? And he does that almost every single play. And not only does he do that, he has the presence of mind to smell the ball carrier. And as soon as that comes past him, he releases and makes the tackle. I mean, that's every single time you watch filming him. That's what you see. You see him release from a block and make a tackle, like instantaneously. If people say Sean Robinson is a freak athlete for that position, you look at their combine results with Reed and Robinson, they're really not that different. In fact, Reed out-jumped Robinson by five inches, and, Reed, and Robinson's an inch taller. So I think when it's all said and done, this historic defensive task class, that no matter where Jaron Reed goes, because I think he is scheme-friendly to anybody, I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the best defensive tackle of this class. What do you think, Jeff? Uh, I couldn't argue with you. Uh, you. You can make a case for a couple of these guys here. Obviously, Billings with his age and his strength, he's a guy you can make a case for. But I'm 100% in agreement with you. Uh, Reed and Sean Robinson, in my opinion, they're about a round apart. Uh, you don't see much mobility with Robinson. That seems definitely stationary. Reed definitely much better at disengaging, uh, You know, more of actually making the play as opposed to aiding a linebacker into making the play, which I think is more of what Sean Robinson does. Uh, definitely. I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, Reed, Reed's got a real bright future. Uh, I saw what you're talking about with the Andy Staples of watching the film, and I got news for you. That's a Bama norm. You can't talk like that while the film's on. You, your butt's gone. You're out of Tuscaloosa as fast as you got there. You've got to be the best of the best. You've got to be the smartest of the smartest. It's just the way Nick Saban's program rolls. Okay. Nick, what do you think? Um, I just got a question for you guys. Is there any concerns that you guys have about the, since these guys both played right next to each other at Alabama, that neither of them is going to be as good without such a talented player playing right next to him in the NFL? I'd be a little concerned about Sean Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and you wonder, you wonder what uh, what Reggie Ragland looks like if he's got average. Off, or excuse me, average defensive lineman in front of him too. So I, 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 well, I wonder about thing, that too. Yeah, and the Go other ahead. thing with Raglan was is you know as big of a guy as he is, we were hoping he would test a little better. I love Reggie Ragland. I, I think I would just prefer him to get him like right in the beginning of the second round. I know what I'm getting. I know I'm getting almost a, a team captain, a solid. But it just 
with a little bit the lacking in the athleticism scores definitely concerns me a little bit. I don't know if he's a guy I'd be able to use right away in the dime situation. So he's a guy I would prefer there. I just think you're getting better value if you get him, you know, probably early second round, you know, those 32 to 35 picks numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, my, uh, my buddy is over at the black hole banter podcast. Uh, James Arcelina said uh, a couple, probably last month. Now that, even even though Raglan plays traditionally in the four three in college, he thinks he'd be much better as a as a three four inside backer just because of the uh, the coverage limitations. And any thoughts there, Jeff? A uh, little bit, I would think. And, you know, I mean, but again, now nowadays everything is so scheme diverse. I mean, there are linebackers only playing nickel and dime. I would definitely have some concerns. I really would. But I mean, for the mo- I mean, you've seen what he's done. I mean, just. He, uh, the read, the recognition, he plays strong, finishes every tackle. The coverage, you know, it was something was a little bit of a concern. You know, the athleticism scores, you know, reflected maybe why coverage wasn't his best. But still, uh, you know, definitely not a guy I'm turning my back on by any means. Yeah, no, and you you can't. You've seen the you've seen the pedigree with uh, you know what well, C.J. Mosley has been able to do at the next level. And yep, I see that same type of thing. You know, just that that lateral domination is just is something. Yeah. And it, but I do think, I do think Raglan might, like you said, is going to be uh, somewhat limited in that role there. So I think you're letting me stay in the war room. Um, no, no big disagreements there, but uh, I was hoping that'd be a little more controversial, but anyway, we're all just such great minds, I guess. And I hope Reed ends up on one of, one of our teams. Uh, so I can continue to be a big fan of his. Uh, I think, I actually think Buffalo would probably be the, the best fit for him. He could step in right away and play left defensive end in their four, three, but I think he could also play, you know, the Knowles and goal line sets. I mean, think about him and Darius and Kaya Williams right there in the middle when you're trying to get that one yard. So yeah, I, I love reading it's, you know, it's interesting when you write a profile because you can start by really liking a player and by the end of it just be like, wow, that was a lot more negative than good. But everything I read, every more film and why I watched on Reed, it just, he just answered all the questions for me. So he's obviously one of my favorite projects in this draft. So, um, Jeff, why don't you just, before we let you go, why don't you just give us a top, who's, where are the top five picks going to be? Um, obviously, you know, one and two right now is a slam dunk. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, uh, Jared Goff will be headed off to be a Ram. Um, huge, I mean, huge ramifications here. I mean, this isn't just a team relocating. This is a team relocating back to L.A. They're going to be on hard knocks. Uh, you know, a lot of talk that this the draft is going to be going to L.A. and it's going to be there to stay. Makes a lot of sense. You know, obviously, NFL Network headquarters out there. Huge, huge implications there. Carson Wentz is going to be headed on out to Philly. Uh, you know, the North Dakota kid getting off in South Philly should be interesting. Uh, you know, definitely some large adjustments, not only football-wise for Carson. San Diego, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, pretty much now we've, for me, I've established for a long time, the two best players in this draft are Laramie Tunsil and Jalen Ramsey offensively and defensively. Neither one of them are going one or two. San Diego, three now. And now it's looking like maybe they're going to wise up and they're going to draft Tunsil. They really can't go wrong. It's not like they don't need a Jalen Ramsey, and it's not like they don't need a Laramie Tunsil. Either way is a great selection for them. He, I'll go Tunsil there. Dallas brings in Jalen Ramsey. You pair that with Byron Jones, an absolute defensive coordinator's dream. 
you got two guys who are highly functional corners. Both can play safety. There's just so much you can do with that. Um, and then, they, then you have five. Now this is where it gets interesting. You know, Miles Jack probably now with the knee concerns is probably out of the top ten. You're not really sure which way Jacksonville should go here. For me, I guess the safest thing to be, uh, look, Fowler last year missed his entire rookie year off coming off the injury. I'll just take, uh, I'll just take Joey Bosa here, knowing what I'm getting from him. You know, I don't think he's going to project much higher than what the player he was in college, which is just fine. He'll be a, he'll be a functional, solid member of a, you know, of a D-line in the NFL. Ten-second game guy, should wreak a lot of havoc in the run game. I go Joey Bosa, five to Jacksonville. Okay. Well, I wasn't even looking at the time. I hope we didn't, I hope we didn't keep you too long, Jeff. We're at the 50-minute mark. But uh, We're all good. As always, an, an amazing – Pleasure to have you on the podcast. We we love love your insights and uh, always always look forward to when you come on. So th- take care, bud. Always a pleasure, guys. Take care of yourselves and right. uh, everyone. Buckle down. About about, uh, about twenty eight right. twenty nine hours away. Yes, sir. I love the. Content. All right, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great stuff from Jeff Floyd. As always, uh, like I said, one of one of the best minds out there in the in the draft world and. Uh, I think he said that we were his ninth radio appearance this week, uh, Nick. So uh, I'm glad he could fit us in there because uh, people realize what they have there in Jeff. So we have a few more things to get to. But first, it's time for Nick to rant. I, I absolutely love this time of the week because it, I give my co-host the floor to rant kind of about uh, something that's bothered him. I think we've probably covered the NFL draft enough today. Maybe not, but uh, we, we got there pretty good. So, uh, Nick, um, what do you got for me? Let's... Well, the wait is finally almost over. It's draft week, and, of course, the biggest stories are at the top of the draft where the Rams and Eagles traded up into the first two spots, presumably to take the top two quarterbacks, Goff and Wentz. I say presumably because the NFL allegedly told the Rams to keep the choice quiet even though in the past teams with the number one overall pick openly negotiated contracts before the draft. Of course, the league did that to protect TV ratings of the draft, but really, do they actually think if we knew that the Rams are taking off instead of only thinking it's a 99% chance that they take in that less people would watch? That's ridiculous. I mean, we could slap the NFL logo on any show and people will tune in. Uh, the NFL could part- partner with the Discovery Channel, do a one-hour documentary on each team's real-life mascot, one hour on Dolphins, one hour on Bears, etc., have it narrated by a player from each team, and that would probably get better ratings than Shark Weeks. So it's silly to think that people wouldn't watch the draft, just as it's silly to think that the Eagles would have traded up without knowing who L.A. is going to take its number one pick. I guarantee there was a talk between Philly and L.A., Eagles didn't just say, gosh, they're both amazing. We'd be lucky to get either one. No, they fell in love with Wentz, probably, and made sure the Rams were taking Goff and pulled the trigger. So enough with the pseudo-secrecy. And one last thing about draft ratings. I'm a little bit surprised they are as high as they are. Uh, I'll admit, you know, I have to work, so I'll be having it on the TV, but I won't be glued to it. And don't get me wrong, there was a time when I loved draft weekend. Sit around on the couch for two days with your buddies, watching and talking football like an oasis in the desert of an off-season. But, you know, now it's on weeknights, and more importantly, those were pre-internet days. Now you can find film on any player with one click of a button, same with scouting reports. And with smartphones, I'm sure I'm not the only dynasty owner that set all 32 teams as favorites in their sports app of choice, so whenever any team likes to move, I get a notification. 
So maybe I'll be 30 seconds, 60 seconds behind the TV audiences, but I wouldn't have to spend my entire day glued to the TV watching highlights that I've already seen. My apologies to anybody who finds that blasphemous to the football gods. <laughs> I don't know about you attacking Shark Week, though. I don't know. There's some, there's some great whites down there in South Africa that aren't too happy about that. But, uh, yeah, it's not going to hurt. I mean, uh, they should. it'd be funny if they said, like, Carson Goff or something like that by accident. But, uh, um, yeah, we, we we pretty much know who's going to be and I guess, you know, what's the point? It's it's one of two names, so just tell us the one. If it doesn't really matter, it's just like, oh, so there's not going to be a million people watching the draft, but, two, but you know, after Wentz is picked, you know, that's when the ratings will jump up. So it's not like you're going to. So that first commercial break is going to suck. If, if you're buying commercial time, Nick, you want it during the second commercial break. That's when everybody's going to be watching. But, yeah, come on, get over yourself. And, uh, why, why do you even got to go there? Create create drama that uh, we don't really need. Um, best number thirty three, Nick. What do you got for us? Well, it's not a very long list, really. A lot of guys that made one or two Pro Bowls, like Charles Tillman, Ronnie Harmon, Michael Turner, Leroy Horde, Michael Griffin. So then, even a three time Pro Bowler like former Bengals safety David Fulcher stands out a little bit. At thirty one interceptions from nineteen eighty six to nineteen ninety two in Cincinnati. But where the class of number 33 lacks in depth, it more than compensates by being very top-heavy, with three names really standing up above the rest. Roger Craig only went to four Pro Bowls, but he was a key component in three Super Bowl-winning teams in San Francisco. 1,500 yards rushing in 1988, and in 1985 led the NFL with 92 receptions while also rushing for over 1,000 yards. I'm not sure if he was the first running back with over 1,000 yards rushing and receiving in the same season, but I can't think of anybody who would have done it before 1985. In my mind, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Another four-time Pro Bowler who is in the Hall of Fame is Tony Dorsett from the Cowboys. The number two overall pick in 1977, won a Super Bowl with the Cowboys as a rookie, eight times rushed for over 1,000 yards, had over 12,000 career rushing yards. That's good for eighth all-time. And, you know, the fact that he had 2,900 carries for a 5'11", 192-pound running back that rarely missed time due to injuries, that's crazy to me. But by far, the number one player to wear number 33 in NFL history has to be slinging Sammy Baugh. Six-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, led the NFL in passing yards four times, led led the league in passing touchdowns twice. Uh, Yards per punt he led in five times, and in addition to playing quarterback and punter, also played defense for six years. In 1943, he led the league in defensive interceptions and on offense led the league in attempts and completions. And, yes, that was one of the years he also led the league in yards per punt. Uh, Sammy Baugh won two championships over his career, which spanned from 1937 to 1952, all of those years in Washington. Some say he's the best to ever play the game. Josh even gave me a great book entitled Sammy Baugh, The Best There Ever Was. I'm not enough of a historian to go that far, but he is without a doubt the best number 33 of all time. Uh, Yeah, Bleacher Report called called him last year the best all-around football player excuse me the best overall football player of all time i mean yeah the guy led the league in interceptions and passing attempts that's insanity oh and and punt yardage or punt average uh all while not wearing a face mask mind you that's how old that's how old he was but uh yeah great stuff and you kind of you forgot uh one name but i forgot roger craig i don't know how i forgot roger craig but um 
Uh, you went there with Tony Dorsett, almost 13,000 rushing yards for a 5'11", 190-something running back. That's pretty amazing. Dallas actually traded up to take Dorsett in that draft, which some people thought they were absolutely crazy considering what we've seen this year. Dallas was so crazy back then in the 70s. They traded their first-round pick and a third-round pick to get to that number two spot to take a running back. Isn't that crazy? Uh, but that just tells you how the, how the league has changed. Or has it? Because the name that you forgot was Ali Genoa Matson, uh, Los Angeles Rams, um, and Arizona, excuse me, and Arizona, no, excuse me, and St. Louis running back, halfback, who was once traded for nine players in 1959. Nine players. Think about that. That's pre-Hershel Walker by how many, how many years? But he was once traded for nine players in 1959. Ali Genoa Matson, two 220-pound uh, running back, averaged actually pretty crazy for a running back, but he averaged 16.5 yards per catch on his career. Um, he also rushed for over over 3,000 yards. Had a combined had a combined over 10,000 yards in his career, more of a receiving running back than anything. But it's just crazy to think that somebody back then in 1959, there could have been a nine-player value on him. So uh, if you want to read up more on that, you can click on click on that uh, that mention here in our podcast write-up. You can find all about that trade. But uh, can't disagree with you there. I mean, Tony Dorsett was the first name that came to mind, but when you start doing your research of people that wore that number, obviously. Punter, quarterback, defensive back, Sammy, slinging Sammy Box, excuse me. The face maskless warrior's got to be the best number 33 of all time. Um, time for some dynasty trade analysis, Nick. Uh, I got, got just a few of them here today. Uh, what do you think? This is kind of a big name one here. Des Bryant, Tyler Boyd, and Ziggy Anza for Julio Jones, Travis Kelsey, and Olivier Vernon. What do you think? Uh, it's tough. Uh, I believe you meant Tyler Eifert, not Tyler Boyd. But uh, I went Sorry. back and forth on this. It was super even. Uh, you know, it's Tyler Eifert, I think, is a, probably an upgrade over Kelsey, um, although they're pretty even, you know, the defense and ends are pretty even. So I, I really, I just have to go with the side who got the best overall player in the deal. And I think that would be Julio Jones, but it's very close. I definitely understand the trade from both sides. I, I agree. It's close, but I don't understand it because if it's so close, why are you even doing it in the first place? It just, I mean, obviously you have a preference thing, but I think, Julio versus Dez, I think I would probably go Julio, even though maybe Dallas potentially has a better offense this year. I just think Julio's the better player. I think Anza's probably a better player than Vernon. I mean, Vernon obviously has has a chance to be to be showcased within that defense as much as you can showcase the defensive end. Um, and and Eifert and Kelsey, I guess, are pretty comparable. I just, I don't know, some some trades like this, and and it is preferencing. I just don't get some of them because it seems like where it is even, it just doesn't seem like it's uh, a trigger worth pulling. But uh, I, I, like I said, I don't, I don't disagree with it, but it just seems weird. And I guess, um, I guess, if you think Julio is better than Dez. Uh, you have to give up Tyler Eifert and Ziggy on to, to prove so, and and I do, and I I guess so. I guess 
like Nick said, Julio is the best player, but I, if I had to pick a site, I would probably lean towards the uh, the Dez Bryant side because I think where Julio's better than Dez, Eifert's better than Kelsey, and Ziggy's better than Vernon. And I was wrong. My Jaron Reed article just dropped right now on DFW, so make sure you go and check that out. Uh, next trade here, DFW 48, I believe, in this one, Brandon Cooks. And pick, excuse me, and pick 1.12 for Amari Cooper and pick 4.01. What are your thoughts there, Nick? Oh, I think if I can acquire Amari Cooper for that, I would do it in a heartbeat. Uh, you know, I like Brandon Cooks. He's a great player, don't get me wrong. But being able to trade him and a lower first-round pick for Amari Cooper, yes, yes, every single time. Yeah, and, yeah, I, you know, I think Cooper's good. I don't think he's, you know, the next. I don't think he's the next Julio. I think he's going to be a very good player. I don't know if he's necessarily, a, uh, you know, a surefire top five dynasty pick the next couple of years in startups. I mean, he he is there right now, but I just don't know if that value is going to contain there. I think, like I said, I think he's a very very good player. I just don't know if he's a a knockdown superstar like a Julio Jones. But I still think you're getting the better end of this deal getting getting Cooper there for just giving up a first and Brandon Cooks. Um, uh, where were we? Oh, a couple different angles on the Devontae Adams, of course. What is this, 2015? Uh, Devontae Adams for pick 2.0, excuse me, 2.12 and two 2017 fourth round picks. What do you think there, Nick? I think that was second round picks. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, if that was second round picks, then definitely I would uh, lean to the side getting the draft picks. If it's fourth round picks, I think it's pretty even. Uh, I'm not a huge Devontae Adams guy, but, you know, for a late second and two fourth round picks next year, I think that would be a pretty fair tra- price. I, I probably wouldn't personally make that trade for Adams, but I definitely understand that's pretty fair value in my mind. Yeah, I feel like I wrote that down wrong. But anyway, um, so, yeah, a little, a little bit different value here with this one. I'm not a Devontae Adams fan at all. I mean, I know he was he was uh, a nice piece for Derek Carr in college, but I just, I, I'm not crazy about him. Uh, Devontae Adams for pick 2.24, which is, I guess, mid-second. What do you think there, Nick? Well, I have it written down as a Devontae Adams and a 2017 second for 2.24. Yeah. Is that correct? Or, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'll catch up here. Sorry. So, <laughs> oh, no no, no worries. Um, so basically you're giving up a second-round pick, but you get one back next year, and you get a free receiver on top of that. I'm not one that really disvalues future draft picks. I see them almost as valuable as this year's, especially if you're not in a win you know, elite team that's, you know, going to be a top three in your league this year, then what does it really matter whether it's this year's second or, or next year's second? So I definitely would I – w- I would take Devontae Adams for that price. Yeah. I mean, I guess he is still a player that's growing. But I just – I'm just totally not uh, not sold on him by any means. So – and uh, like I said, with a lot of players there and – uh in Green Bay, excuse me, that's that just doesn't seem quite right. Um, I'm just trying to look that up. Now I can't find it, of course. Um, what do you think about Brandon Cook for Alshon Jeffrey, Nick? That was another trade that happened here in W48. 
I think I would side with Alshon Jeffrey. Um, you know, he's a lot bigger than Brandon Cooks, and he's uh, had production with quarterback like Jay Cutler, whereas Brandon Cooks, he's been paired with Drew Brees. We don't know how much longer Brees is going to last. So, well, it's kind of a question mark as far as, you know, three years down the road, what are we going to see for Brandon Cooks? So I think I would take Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. And that was two fourth-round picks. So sorry about the sorry about the confusion there, folks, on that one. Um yeah, I I think Jeffrey's just like I said earlier, the guy just jumps out of the gym. I don't I don't I think he's I think he's a little bit undervalued right now in the dynasty community. I know they have Kevin White and I know they could have a different quarterback next year, but uh what what a better weapon for a new quarterback to come in to have a guy like that just can get up and get the ball. Um NFL draft wish list, Nick. What do you think? Is there one one or two particular players that you want to end up on this team solely for fantasy purposes? Well, I got four quick ones. Uh, first off, I really want Carson Wentz to Philadelphia. It looks like that's probably going to happen. Pretty much just so I can get something out of Nelson Aguilar. Hopefully he can develop into something. I took him with a fifth overall pick in a rookie draft last year. Uh, the next one, I, I'd like to see Ezekiel Elliott to Cleveland. Now, I own zero shares of Elliott. I do not have the first overall pick in any draft. So I'm okay if he ends up being a bust. Uh, plus, I really don't want to see him in Dallas. And having a stud running back hopefully would take some of the pressure off of Robert Griffin if he ends up being the starter. Also, if Cleveland takes him, then that means Chicago won't. So Jeremy Langford, who I tried to move but was unable to find a trade partner. Uh, Langford could hold some value as long as Elliott does not go uh, fall all the way to Chicago. Uh, I would also like offensive linemen for both Tennessee and Arizona, Marcus Mariota and DeMarco Murray and Carson Palmer and David Johnson. They need people to block for them. So I'd love to see those teams draft linemen. And going a little bit deeper, uh, I'd like to see my guy Sterling Shepard go to Carolina. With the mammoth receivers on the outside, Kelvin Benjamin and the developing Devin Funches, and then Greg Olson commanding attention at tight end. I think Shepard should find a lot of holes out of the slot and help Cam Newton win me one more fantasy title. Yeah, and like you said there, with the rest of that tower of receiving core they have, to have a guy like Shepard that has that ability to to separate and just uh, uh, you know out get that double move on a defensive back. Wow, yeah, that that would be a great spot. I like Jeff's point with him and. Uh, going to Tampa Bay as well. I think that would be a, a, a nice fit. Um, I go back and forth on this one if I want Coleman or Doxon to end up in Minnesota. I think just because uh, just because of the, the, the slight in height, I think I would probably go Doxon just because not only is he taller than Corey Coleman, he's also taller than Stefan Diggs. One, you know, one thing people pigeonhole for some reason is Stefan Diggs is short. He's six foot, you know, 200 pounds. It's not like he's a small guy, but um, as Andy Carlson said on this podcast last couple of weeks ago, he's certainly not a wide receiver one in, in adding a guy like Dawson, I don't know if he's necessarily the best wide receiver one in the league on his own team, but he's certainly a guy that I think Dawson, with the abilities that he has to high point the ball and just do some wreak some havoc in the red zone, him paired with Diggs would just be a, a phenomenal thing for uh, the new air raid Viking offense indoors there in Minnesota. I think that would that would be a lot of fun. If I, if I saw Dachshund there. Um, and, geez, 
Doxon in Houston with the new Hopkins. That's not even fair, right? Um, Coleman, you know, Jeff mentioned earlier, Fuller's been linked to Houston. I know, and I guess, again, it's all smoke screens, but Houston's have had extensive meetings with Corey Coleman. That matchup with those two wide receivers, Coleman and New Hopkins, I mean, wow, what a, what an explosive pair. I absolutely love that. I would love to see Hunter Henry end up just on a team that will use him. I know we talk about the tight end window, and it's three years, you know, and I'll, damn it, I just want to break that window. I just think if he gets the opportunity, I think he's – and I know he's not the best tight end to ever come along. He's probably – you know, he's, he, I think he might be better than everybody from the last year class. And I, I think just the fact that, like, like a David Morgan, he's able to move around quite a bit. I think he – I think in a situation where he is used a lot, you know, a lot of people think Pittsburgh should take him at some point in time to replace Heath Miller. I think that would be a nice compliment, even though I'm a Jesse James owner, that would be a nice, a nice place to go considering all the other weapons they have within their, within that scheme. Um, and geez, you know, we know Jared Goff is more than likely going to be the uh, Los Angeles Rams quarterback. I, I don't know what wide receiver they're going to take late, but I, I, I hope it's Kiaris Garrett. I, I really think he's a guy that could excel and that offense in terms of what they already have on the depth chart. So he's a, he's a guy, a, a later round guy that I like. I mentioned that last week when we put those two against each other, but I think that would be a fair compliment there. So um, any, any other thoughts there, Nick, as we let, let the draft come to us next, tomorrow night. Oh, just that it's going to be great to actually finally have landing spots for these guys so we can actually start projecting what these rookies are going to do because it's so impossible to try to project from a dynasty perspective how these guys are going to play out before we find out where they're going to land. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, And we'll know, and, of course, we're going to come back at you next week with the wide receivers. We're going to reshuffle our wide receiver rankings and see what we can come up for you next week. Next Wednesday, we're going to have Dirty Mike Kraffick back on for that. So look look forward to that next week. Um, look forward. Keep your keep your uh, eyes on DFW this weekend as we're going to be doing some snapshot articles during the draft, some some overreactions probably after some picks too. So that should be a that should be a whole lot of fun as we look to give you as much coverage as we possibly can uh, during the draft there too. So please please stay tuned to that. Uh, Darren Reed profile up. I dare you not to fall in love with this kid. I think my profile could have been a little bit more glowing. I think I held back a little bit. So uh, re- remember that when you're reading that. But, uh, yeah, love love that kid. Um, and I do agree with Jeff. Oakland's at a really interesting spot there in 14 where you're, where you're not – there's not a lot of blue chippers left. So if they can get up, get up and get that pick, you know, they do have that mid-second they could dangle on somebody's – somebody's face too so maybe they're a potential partner for there for cleveland if they get to Zico elliott so that would be a nice nice storyline you know i would be super excited next week if that was the case but uh that's all we have for you happy nfl draft week hope you enjoy it uh as much as, as much as we do um tweet tweet us your overreactions we'd love to hear them so thank you and uh have a great weekend nick talk to you next week all right have a good one Thank you.
Dynasty Gold Podcast with Nikki, Gil, 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 G